Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. To be at the left and the right hand of Christ in his glory. That's what um, James and his brother John, or at least their mother on their behalf, asked of Jesus in the gospel reading this morning. Jesus said to them in response, the father is the one who has chosen who's going to be at my left and my right. That's not up to me. But you don't know exactly what you're asking or what it means to be at my left and my right. He asks them, can you do what I'm about to be doing? And he puts it in the terms of drinking a cup and and going through baptism, things that are um, both kind of ambiguous in the scriptures. Drinking a cup can be a wonderful thing, depending on what's in the cup. But a lot of times in the Old Testament, uh, the the Lord uses that imagery, and his prophets use that imagery about uh, doing something that's, that's unpleasant. Drinking the dregs means to finish something that's uh, not, not the most fun thing in the world to do. And baptism, well, if that's being raised to new life, like in the church, that's our main association. But what does that involve? What well, means being plunged into something, being completely submerged in over your head, as it were. So these ambiguous signs are what Jesus asks the two apostles, James and John, are you able to do what I am about to do? And they say, yes, we are. Says, good, because you're going to. You're going to drink my cup and you're going to go through my baptism. And you don't know what that means yet. I do, but you'll see. In the scripture, we only have one picture of Jesus flanked left and right by people. What is that image? It's Christ on the cross, flanked by two thieves. Jesus, in his moment of victory, when he defeats death by willingly entering into it, when he is enthroned in his glory on the cross, as it were, the two at his left and right are not James and John, but rather two thieves. In fact, of the two brothers, James and John, only one was present, the other having fled and hid. The one who fled and hid is the one we're celebrating today. (laughs) So what happened between this story in the gospel and then the crucifixion where James runs and hides, between then and now, that we celebrate him as a glorious apostle, someone to look up to, someone to whom we offer our uh, prayers and petitions so that he can take them to the throne of Christ. What happened in the life of James? Well, he saw the risen Lord. His commission was renewed to go and preach in the world. And he did. He went and preached. Tradition is that he made it all the way to Spain and spent a lot of time there. Coming back to Jerusalem after preaching in Spain, he was then the first of Jesus' 12 apostles to be martyred for the faith. The first martyr recorded is, of course, St. Stephen, 
And there may have been others who were followers of the way who were martyred. But of the 12 apostles, St. James was the first to be put to death. And he was put to death by the sword, by King Herod. And so one of his symbols is actually a cross with the bottom portion in the shape of a sword commemorating the, uh, the, the form of his martyrdom. So St. James ended up drinking the cup that Jesus drank from and going through the same baptism, that is the baptism of blood that Jesus went through. He ended up following his Lord and producing much fruit. Our Alleluia verse that we just heard uh, before the proclamation of the gospel goes like this. It's a quotation from St. John's gospel, the 15th chapter. Jesus is speaking these words. I have chosen you out of the world that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit shall remain. In the second chapter of Genesis, God puts the man in the garden and tells him, Behold, I have given you all of the trees of the garden and their fruit for you to eat. This is the way life began in the world for humankind. Eating fruit, literally just reaching out and grabbing it. Walking with the Lord in the cool of the day. This is the way that God brought us into the world and was taking care of us. And the way he was prepping us for the eventual call to go out into the world and subdue it and essentially spread Eden, spread the paradise of this garden into the whole cosmos. But something happened. We stole fruit that we weren't supposed to. Ever since then, fruit isn't just hanging around for us to pick wherever we turn. We have to work by the sweat of our brows in order to bring food out of the earth and eat. We strive we're in pain and toil just to reproduce. Women go through unimaginable pain. This is the world that we've been living in for thousands of years now until the reappearance of a man, a real man, the one true man, Jesus Christ. And what did he do again in that image where he's flanked by two on his left and right? He hung on a tree just like the fruit in the garden except now he is the new fruit. He is the new food. He is the new man. In him, all things are recapitulated. <laughs> Do you know what that word means? It's a word that we hear in the scriptures a fair amount in, in Paul's, um, St. Paul's letters, recapitulate. Cap, meaning like cap, to recapitulate means to be uh, put under a new head. So everything in the entire world is now under the headship of Christ. He's the new fruit. He's the new humanity. And so under him, now as our head, all things are renewed and made new, including what we do out in the world, including our vocation and relationship to fruit. So no longer do we have to eat fruit from trees. We have the fruit of our very maker and creator to eat. That's why we're here this morning, to consume the body and blood of God. God is our sustenance, and sustained by him, what is our job now in the world? Well, that vocation has been renewed to go and spread Eden into the world. That's why John records the words of Christ, and we sing it in our Alleluia verse this morning, I have chosen you, he's talking to his apostles, to go out into the world and bring forth 
fruit, and that your fruit shall remain. So our vocation in this world now, under the new headship of Christ, is to take the food, the fruit, who is Christ, into the world so that it reproduces, no longer in the old reproduction of mere pain, but the reproduction of new human beings. And yes, there's still some sweat involved. There's still some pain involved. Jesus made no bones about that. He wasn't trying to hide it or sugarcoat it. He told his, his apostles, you are going to drink the cup, the ambiguous cup, that's both pain and health. You are going to go through my baptism that's both submersion into blood, but also coming out into new life. This is the fruit that you're to spread into the world. So our vocation is still one of work and of pain, but it's transformed into a new life that never would have been something we could do on our own. The work and the pain from the old curse, that was destined just to go on forever and ever and ever. It didn't bear anything new. We had to keep doing stuff. It was kind of like what was going on in the Old Testament with all the sacrifices and all the rituals, the, the uncleanness, and then having to be washed to made ritually clean and then coming back. It was a cycle, and it kept going over and over and over. But thanks be to God and Jesus Christ, the old curse, the old covenant, it's all recapitulated. And all of that cycle, now it bears fruit that remains. This fruit does not go bad. This fruit will keep unto the ages of ages. All of the work that we do here and now in the name of Jesus Christ will stay. And that's why we celebrate St. James, because he, not even over an entire lifetime, just since we don't know much about his early days, actually, we didn't know nothing. He was a, he was a fisherman. We know that he was uh, John the Baptist's disciple for a little while. At some point, probably in adulthood, Jesus calls him. And from that moment to the end of his life, we don't, I mean, even through Jesus' own ministry, we see three years of, of ambiguity. He doesn't quite have it right, right? But somehow in the years remaining, in the short years of St. James' life, fruit was born from him that has not disappeared. It stayed. His symbols, I already said that one of them is the cross with the sword at the bottom. Another is a, uh, it's a scallop shell, right? That's because of where he's buried. Uh, people who were with him and followed him after he was martyred took his body back to Spain, his, his beloved Spain at the end of the known world at that time, and buried him there. And his burial site became one of the most popular pilgrimage sites that there was, the, the first martyred apostle. People flocked from all over the known world to visit St. James's tomb. And there in Compostello in Spain near the coast where these little scallop shells were in abundance, uh, martyr, uh, pilgrims would pick them up and wear them around their, their necks on their way back home after this pilgrimage, and that symbol became associated with him. So one of his symbols is, is proof of his fruit, pilgrims uh, traveling hundreds, thousands of miles on foot just to pay homage to this saint who loved the Lord, who is privileged to see his transfiguration, 
to see the Lord's agony in the garden on the night before he suffered. This St. James has borne fruit that will last eternity, and so can we. We're not all called to be apostles or disciples, but we are called, all of us, to something. Every single one of us is called to do something in our lives. Whatever that is, whatever our vocation, even if it's just to love those in our immediate orbit, in our family, at home, that vocation, that fruit will stay. So wake up every morning and know that powered by, sustained by the food who is our God, the new fruit, we can bear fruit that will last for eternity. I think that's good news. And I think that sets our daily lives in a new light. It's one that means every day wasted is a day we have to account for, a day that could have borne more fruit that would last eternity. So let's fill up eternity with as much fruit as possible. Let's fill the, the, the world without end with fruit that will be a delight to the Lord and to all those around us. We'll close with this prayer to St. James. O glorious apostle St. James, who by reason of thy fervent and generous heart was chosen by Jesus to be a witness of his glory on Mount Tabor and of his agony in Gethsemane. O thou whose very name is a symbol of warfare and victory, obtain for us strength and consolation in the unending warfare of this life, that having constantly and generously followed Jesus, we may be victors in the strife and deserve to receive the victor's crown in heaven. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.